You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Yeah, she was in a lot of pain. She was in a lot of pain the other day. Her shoulder and her hand just she couldn't move it. And me and Marie were praying, and we saw it change entirely. She was able to lift it up. She said, now I'll be able to worship again without having to do a specific way to get up there. I don't know if she had to. She then had to shovel, like, 100 pounds of snow immediately after. But, uh, yeah, I think she's, she's doing good. Thanks for sharing that, Leora. Um we are going through a series right now. We are in Lent, as Brian just uh, was talking about, our prayer cards in the back corner. We would love to have you join us this Lent and then follow us the whole year with these prayer requests. And right now we are preaching our way through these prayer requests. And last week we preached on Monday's prayer request, which was that we would join in the community with the marginalized and disenfranchised to provide social, emotional, physical, and spiritual support. That has always been a big aim of what we do here at 1208, and we, uh, we intend to continue to do that. You can check out the podcast last week if you want to see what we preached about so that you can get that deeper on your heart. But today, um, we're going to preach on Tuesday's prayer request, which is going to sound a little bit more legalistic. And some of it is kind of specific to 1208, but I do believe that this is important for wherever you go to church down the road or uh, where you go today. Tuesday's prayer request is this, that we may develop 26 new partners, which is a word we're using instead of members, um, one new deacon, and one local ministerial candidate. So let me explain uh, a little bit about what I mean by that and kind of where we find some of the, the biblical importance behind these kinds of things. Uh, last year I was praying with someone and they had a specific word and this word came up several times, uh, while we were praying in different kinds of contexts and it warmed my heart in a new way. Um, and it, it was simple. The words would be specific to something, but it would often end with calling me brother. And there's one thing when you're hanging out with people and you're calling them brothers and, you know, you just kind of get used to that or sisters or brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we use these phrases all the time and sometimes they feel a little hokey or sometimes they feel a little forced, uh, things like that. But there was just something very sweet about Jesus looking at my relationship with my friends and being like, this is your family. This is your brother. This is your sister. And that, that really started to warm my heart. And I've realized over time, like, I mean, that's really, that's, that's the big picture of what church is. It's one big family. When we take communion, we are taking it so that we all are on the same exact level. That was a big deal in the Bible. Uh, it seemed like actually a part of when Paul tells them that they're taking communion badly and they're going to get hurt because of it, it's because they weren't practicing in that particular church uh, the equalization of all family members the rich didn't have to work in that church so they would show up early they would eat all the food and then the poor who had been working all day would walk in and there'd be no communion left no potluck left and so you found even within the church that they were eating communion in a in a kind of way that continued the outside world of disequalization between everybody there was no equity there and paul saw that and he's like this is 
You guys are going to eat communion and get sick if this is the way that you're going to treat communion. We're family here. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, if you've traditionally been on the inside or traditionally been on the outside. It doesn't matter in his culture if you are a master or a slave. You now are on the same level. It doesn't matter if you are male or female. You are all on the same level. And so Paul saw this way that they were treating each other, and, and he tried to call them into the equity that they now were as a, as a family. And when you look at church's family, things begin to change. Your commitment to it begins to become something a bit more. And I realize that I, I have this familial bond with you guys because it's hard for me to be away from church. I don't like missing out because I don't like missing God's presence. And I don't like missing out because I don't like missing out on you and your presence and how you show God to me. In fact, recently... Um, in our conference across the Free Methodist Church, they were talking about um, how they really want to make it mandatory that all pastors are for sure taking sabbaticals every seven years. And like my instant response was like, oh, I don't want to do that. That doesn't even sound like pleasurable to me. And they're like, yeah, and tell us why that is, Jamin. Now, the answer they expected me to say is because I'm the only one that can make church happen. And if I'm gone, they'll all flail, which is not what I said is what they're used to hearing. What I said was, these are my friends. Why would I want to break from them? <laughs> Why would I have to take a mandatory break to go away from my family? Also, you probably think I have loads of money somewhere in my pastoral salary to just take off. It's not going to happen. I'll be sitting in my house while my friends are all at church. Ouch. <laughs> this is what we try to practice at 1208, family. And it's uh, what you should be able to find here with one another. It's what you should be able to find in our home churches when you and your kids are just showing up to people's houses and eating food and playing games. And it, it maybe feels both spiritual and non-spiritual at the same time. Like, aren't we supposed to be more serious than this? No, because family hangs out. Family loves one another. Family grows with one another. And the things that we're highlighting in today's prayer, I think, are really just an avenue of greater, um, greater family commitment. We're talking about partnership, i.e. what we used to call membership. We're talking about deacons, and we're talking about raising up new pastors. So let's start with partnership. I am of the generation that I think was the one that really turned their backs on membership in churches. <laughs> uh, I'm of the generation where non-denominational churches became the regular and we started to say yeah we don't have membership we don't need those kinds of things except non-denominational churches do have membership they just call it something fancier so that you don't recognize it um, but membership really or partnership is really just a way of saying this is my family and this is what I want to plug into and that's not the way that we often do church anymore we often want to always have an out kind of like church has a prenup like, yeah, I'll get involved in this, but I want to be able to sign ahead or I want to sign ahead of time my stuff if if this doesn't work out so I can get out of here in a hurry. Whereas we know that if we partner with a church, well, we're really kind of saying, like, this is my community. These are my people. And I want to serve this part of Jackson. And I want to call these people my family and my friends. And that that's commitment. In fact, in our literature, it's called Covenant, <laughs> because we're making a promise with a church that, like, this is a place that I really want to plug into. 
And I understand that there are always reasons that people may need to leave a church. There are some situations that just go so sour, they may not be able to be reconciled. Or you might have to move, things like that. But for a long time, the way in which we've done church is just kind of transitionary. We move into it, we move out of it, we go to the next one. If we were at one and it offended us, we go to the next one. If we were at one and we didn't like what the pastor had to say, we go to the next one. If we were at one and we didn't like what the Holy Spirit did there, we go to the next one. And we can constantly find ourselves just kind of going place to place to place to find somewhere that we ultimately can feel the most comfortable. And usually the more isolated we can be, the better. Uh, we don't mind watching church online because then we don't have to get to know anybody. Uh, we don't mind watching church on TV because then we just get the really good worship and the really good preaching and we don't have to shake anybody's hands. And uh, uh, if we decide to go to church, a lot of times we want to find the really big ones so we can blend into the crowd and we don't have to overcommit to getting to, to know anybody. And if we want to work in leadership, then we can try to find a place where it only happens if we're the ones like, yeah, I want to serve in that way, rather than have a family member look at us and say, you have this calling on your life and you should step into this kind of position within the church where you, you work great with kids. You need to work in children's ministry. That You just look like you'd be great at that. Ah, you've got a real eye for budgets. Pastor Jamin is going to sink us into the ground if he keeps doing budgets. Just kidding. Uh, um, but looking for those kinds of talents that people have and trying to speak it into it. If we can blend in, then we don't have to step in. And that's the way that we often like to do church. And that's, that's not family. That's, that's just program and enjoyment. A lot of times we choose our churches based around, do we like the messages? Do we like the music? I understand that you have to find a place that you fit well. If the teaching really doesn't match you, then yeah, you're going to church shop for a while till you can find somewhere where you can say, I really fit here and I need to blend here. But when church shopping just becomes a way of us just moving from place to place to place, we really never find that community to plug into. And we end up ultimately just doing fast food church, where it never really has the nutrients to take us deeper. Nobody really speaks into us. We're a part of the body while also being kind of separated from the body at the same time. Like not a big toe, not a thumb. We're like a piece of hair <laughs> where we can maybe break off and then grow again and then break off and grow again as many times as, as we need to. I think the picture that Jesus really painted of the church is like, this is my family and you guys are to commit to one another. I don't care about the differences that you have between you. Love one another and try to unify around your, your similarities, which is Christ himself. Christ puts us all on the same level, and he unifies us to one another. So that when you look at someone and you call them brother or sister, from a spiritual perspective, that is absolutely true. In Christ, you have been unified with this person as a family. And so, partnership is really just a step forward in saying, I have found a place that I want to, to really commit to and blend into, to take on further leadership and authority within the church, and be able to step into places where Jesus can use me exactly as uh, he needs to. And that was a beautiful thing last week with our baptism. We had a nine-year-old kid, Brendan, 
We baptized him, and one of the questions that he had to answer during that service was, are you willing to give your life to the church, to give your talents to how God needs to use it within the church? And, like, he processed that. I mean, he had the question back. He's like, you mean do I have to go to spare oom now? <laughs> I was like, you are welcome to if your mom lets you, because I know that's her private time. <laughs> but, yeah, however the Spirit empowers you with your specific gifting, we need that in the church, Brendan. So find those spaces and be able to serve in those kinds of ways. And that goes for all of us. And this, this is getting into the territory a little bit for next week. But everybody is empowered differently in the church. And the way in which we've been doing church for so long is take a pastor who's either a foot or something else and then just have everybody else go to church while the foot talks. And it stinks. <laughs> the foot cannot do what the rest of the body can do. And um, pastors are often forced to wear hats that do not belong on them because they're taking all of the efforts that the church is supposed to do, be doing. And that's something that the church has just accidentally taught over the years. As we created these models that you bring all your friends to church and the pastor will do the rest. That's just not biblical. That's just not church. I do not have the giftings that you have. And that is intentional on Jesus's part. Because he wants the load to be shared. He wants the church to be the church. And nobody should be in the church who doesn't find somewhere to really be able to plug in and give their hearts over to what God is trying to do. So find that spot. Find that spot. Find your gifting and keep pressing into that. And we'll talk a little bit more about the diversity of, of the members of the church next week. Uh, on a specific legalistic perspective for 1208, we need 26 new partners this year. Um, I know that's very specific, 26. That's because uh, churches move, um, when churches are first planted, they're given a few years to hit certain statistics to show that they truly are going to thrive and that they're not just going to fizzle out. So you go from a church plant to a fellowship and eventually to a society. You have three years to go from fellowship to society. Guess what year we're in right now? We're in like nine or ten. <laughs> <laughs> we are way behind, um, which means if someone ever notices that, they could be like, hey, why are they still going? And um, if we can find 40 members, which we need 26 more to do that, then we are able to take a step forward into more of a solid place within uh, our particular denomination. And that's important, too. I mean, these are the kind of statistics that you should be having. Having 40 people who are really committed to a church, that's... That's not a bad thing. That's actually a very low statistic. And right now, this church, if you're enjoying today and you've been enjoying the last amount of time that you've been at 1208, the only reason you're enjoying it is because there were another 20 members that helped it last throughout the pandemic. There was another 20 members that continued to say to one another, this is my family and I will not let this down. Because there were weeks where there were four people in this building there were weeks where there were two people online. There were weeks where 20 people showed up. But it hasn't been until recent times that we've started to see an uptick in people coming back to church. And that's across the church board. This church would not exist if it was not for the partners, the members who said, this is my family and I believe God wants to do something here. So I encourage you, if you're not currently in that state, just to start walking it out. 
you may find as you go through um, some of the doctrines that we have, you may say, this is just too much of a different fit. I really don't belong here, but I'd still like to keep going here. That's fine. There are still other ways to, of course, work in any church without being a partner. Um, but you may find that it's right up your alley and it would be a really good fit for you. And if it's not here, then that can be the case for you wherever you go to church or wherever you're thinking of going to church down the road. God is looking for a group of people that are committed to each other. And in the early church, you did not have a church on every block to go check out if you didn't like the one you were at. You were all in if you went to church because going to church could get you killed. People did not like Christians. They burned them at the stake. They threw them in prisons. They killed them. And so when you went to church, you had to know this is my family and they have my back. And that's what church should be like. Now, there's two other things within the body that we'd like to develop. One is a deacon. Um, and we've been talking with Kayla Knapp about becoming a deacon or deaconess. Uh, I'm not sure what the proper term is. Um, about becoming a deacon, I've been talking with her for the last year. And uh, this past week, the board approved the process to get that going. So we just hit another one of our prayer marks. It's true, we've had that in the background for a while, but we just wanted one deacon this year, and um, we're already ready to start moving that direction. We would like more deacons, though. Deacons, let me help you out here a little bit. The Bible is kind of unclear as to what deacons are. <laughs> so when you go through the Bible and you see that the raise, church raises up deacons, there's kind of some questioning as to what exactly that is. The Free Methodist Church, I think, lies into it very well. It's simply a lay leader within the church that has exhibited um, a lot of calling to ministry, does not necessarily want to be a pastor, but wants to lead in a higher capacity. And so that might be you. In fact, if you have always felt like maybe you want to do ministry, but you really don't want to be a pastor, I would suggest to you that deacon is the right route to go. Because that gives you the space to do things that are rather pastoral, but it just appoints you specifically to one church, in this case 1208, and it would raise you up to be able to take on um, some of the, the greater projects and kind of be uh, assigned some of that stuff. Deacons are, are like primary leaders in the church. In our particular case, you would kind of work with our board and with our conference as we test you and make sure you're ready for it, and then we would raise you up. And ideally, we wouldn't just have Kayla as a deacon. We'd have three or four or five or more deacons. People who say, I really feel this call to ministry, but I don't think it's pastoring. That's you. If you feel that call, deacon is for you. And it's time to start the conversation with me so that we can get you in the place that you feel like God's been calling you to. Of course, that first starts with partnership, so you need to cover that first. But then you would walk into that deacon area where the Bible shows these lay leaders in the churches really supporting and taking care of the churches in various kinds of ways we can only imagine. Uh, and then finally, um, you're going to see this on your prayer sheet when you pray every week. It says local ministerial candidate. And some of you are like, what the heck is that? Why can't you just say it simply? It's, it's that you want to raise up a new pastor. And this is something that our conference has been really pushing over the last uh, six or seven years. And they are right to do so. I remember when our conference first brought up that they wanted to plant, like, it was like 10 or 20 new churches in the next, like, three or five years. 
And at that time, 1208 was like, uh, we, we were trudging forward. And I'm thinking to myself, you want us, all of our churches, to make new churches when most of us are just trying to survive and get by. This is ludicrous. I changed my mind. I, guys, I had to be convicted. Like, there was this whole prayer thing across our entire conference with pastors where the superintendent called everyone forward who was ready to start praying into planning churches and figuring this out. Pastors, come forward and pray if you're ready. And I didn't. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I'm not praying for new churches. I'm just trying to deal with the one that I got. Since then, God has convicted me. When you look at the Bible, the natural result of good, fruitful ministry is multiplication. Part of what I needed to realize, and this helped over time, is that when I think of churches being planted, I think of, like, this room happening a second time. And that's not always what church plants are. In fact, we've attempted three church plants over the last few years, um, or at least two. Uh, we've thought of some other church plants. Uh, we started Dinner Church. That reached a lot of the homeless people and people in poverty, and we really shifted the kind of people that we were reaching. That's part of what we're trying to do with this service these days. We're just still kind of learning our ins and outs. But um, uh, we eventually, I was playing video games with a bunch of you guys one night when I realized, why are we not making a nerd church around all of our nerds in here? And so instead of playing Overwatch one night, we all got together in uh, Casey's old store to talk about what would it look like if we started a church that specifically reached nerds. And we started to brainstorm, and we came up with a like three to four hour service. That sounded ridiculous, and yet people showed up for it. <laughs> we uh, came up with a whole strategy. We raised up new leaders to take it on. At that time, there was somebody who was like, I've felt a call to ministry for a while. I just haven't really looked into it. So we started putting them in charge of Nerd Church, and we raised them up as a leader. And we started leaning into this new model that we created. We launched it at Jackson's Comic Con. We had a booth for people to come by and find out that there was a church present for some weird reason. And then we raked them in. And there are some people that are now coming to 1208 because they were brought in through this church plant that we've called Nerd Church. And yeah, the pandemic messed that up and we're still getting it back on its feet, but it's starting to move forward some new steps in recent times. We also tried Jackson Cloud, which was our online church. During COVID, we just had this realization. This was like uh, probably half a year in where we were like, there may be some people who may never be able to leave their house again. In fact, we minister to one of those people in Nerd Church. They are so sick that if they catch COVID, it's basically over for them. If they catch a normal sickness, it can be very dangerous for them. And so the only in to churches that they have are online things like what we've provided through Nerd Church. That's what Jackson Cloud is supposed to do more of. Let's see if we can create an entire online church that is specifically focused on creating online community so people can't just hide in the background and see how it goes. We produced over 200 videos. We get now 1,500 views a month, but ultimately it did not do what we wanted it to do and we've currently let it go. Plus we were on a series on Revelation and it was bringing on all the weird people. Our comments got very strange, um, but that's okay. Uh, 
We, we used it, though, to try it, to reach people. Let's plant a new online church and see what happens. And that's a part of how this works. you got to step out in faith. Uh, you got to raise up new pastors and send them. you got to raise up new deacons to look over the kinds of things that you start. That's just a part of what church multiplication is. Jesus tells several parables about the fruitfulness of, of the kinds of seeds of heaven that really take off. Well, that's what we're aiming for. He talks about seeds that get burnt up by the sun, seeds that get pecked out by Satan, seeds that don't find the right kind of soil. And then there's a seed that grows and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. That is what we are trying to sow here at 1208. We can't do that without new leaders and we can't do that without partnership. So yeah, we are asking um, as you are praying in this Lenten season to pray for these specific things. New partners with our church, new deacons in our church, and new uh, pastors to be raised up through our church. And if you fit any of those things, I am ready to work with you when you're ready to work with me so we can get the ball rolling. I want to see you thrive. I want to see what, what God wants to do in your life. Why? Because you're my family. And seeing you blossom, that, that's my dream as a pastor. That's literally the calling of what pastoring is. The Bible says that pastors are there to equip the saints for ministry. To equip the hagios for ministry. That word hagios, the real translation of it is holy ones. To equip the holy ones for ministry. That phrase holy ones... That's a name used of the beings that live in God's family and divine counsel. That's you. You are holy ones. You are God's family, and you are to be equipped for ministry. So, God, we come before you right now, and we all have a different idea as to what church is in our mind because we've all been to a hundred different kinds of churches. We've been to the ones where we can blend in. We've been to the ones uh, that are online. We've been to the ones that are full of richness and community. We've been to broken ones. We've been to good ones. We've been to ones that we've had to leave because they, they were uh, too broken. Uh, and we've been to good ones that were so hard to leave, but they changed us forever in the churches that we went to down the road. God, we want to be a family. We want this block to change. God, I think back to when we changed our name when we were trying to find one, we just kind of, while we were waiting for a new one, we just landed on the placeholder of the church that meets at 1208 Greenwood. And that really stuck well because it reminded us that 1208 Greenwood is just the building where we meet. The church is the actual people. The church is us. The church is your family. And while, yes, we want this intentional area of Jackson to shift because your family gathers here, we also know that we're going to scatter at the end of every time we meet, and we're going to go all throughout Jackson and bring your word to scatter it into other places. And some of that might generate new churches, but some of that might bring it back here to this building, to 1208 Greenwood Avenue. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to be a faithful family that is looking to plug into what you are doing. And God, I want 
uh, everyone here to thrive. So would you begin to speak to them, even now? Would you speak to them the giftings that they already have, that they would find places to plug that in? And would you begin to grow in them new giftings, into new seasons, new passions? You told us that if we repented last year, that we would be filled with new gifts. God, there might be some here who are still waiting for that new gift. Would you give it to them today? If you're waiting on that gift or, or you want another one, just put your hands out like, you're gonna, like you want to receive it. Lord, we put our hands out. We're hungry. We don't want gifts to celebrate ourselves. We want gifts to magnify your kingdom. You told us if we repented, we would receive it. And we've already seen that. Let us see more. Now make us aware of what these are and teach it to us. Give us dreams, give us visions, give us words. Speak it into us through others around us that we might know. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we move into the kingdom ministry hour here in just a second, there are some cards that are coming around that my wife's bringing to you. Our board has been talking about, um, we've relaunched 1208, but Mark Edwards has always been talking about what's the next Avengers Marvel phase of 1208. He's always talking in comic book form for some reason. We just go with it. Uh, so we've moved out of getting the Avengers together. What's the next Thanos to conquer, if you will? Nobody's tracking. Okay, forget this. Mark, your analogy's not working out. It's Mark's fault. He's a DC guy anyways, that's why. Um, we're, we're asking as a board, what is the next thing that we need as 1208? We've got our feet on the ground. What are the next things that, that maybe we could start stepping into this year? So you're gonna find on this form four things. And we would love it if you put like number one, this is my favorite thing that I'd like us to step into and then put it in order of like favorite to least, okay? So number one is your favorite, number four is your least favorite. But also, if any of these things, if they were to be started, you're like, yeah, I would help with that, fill in that little circle that's on there um, so that we know that you're interested in volunteering. If you are gonna fill in that circle, please write your name on the card so that we know who you are. Um, and there's a space for other if there's another ministry that you're thinking of. But these are some that the board was thinking of. Uh, let me just give you the rundown as to why we're thinking of it. The first one is what? Youth? Yeah. We have not had a youth group here for some time. We had one right before COVID hit. But our youth group has always spanned a lot of different ages. Right now, almost all of our kids are elementary to middle school. So we want to talk about starting almost like a children's church slash youth group type thing. So if you're interested in that, mark it down. The next one is what? Dinner church. We used to do dinner churches every single Sunday. Snap. Um, oh, snap. That's what it sounded like I was going to say. Uh, during the pandemic, there were new uh, generations of food coming out for people in poverty to go get. Those benefits are about to end, which means people that are used to getting lots of extra food since the pandemic hit are about to run out of food. 
and we used to reach a lot of the homeless and people in poverty through dinner church. We're just talking about the possibility of maybe once a month having a dinner, not necessarily on a Sunday night like we used to, just a dinner where people can come and eat and uh, we can reach them in that way again. Third one was after school tutoring. Uh, we've had several people in this church. This has come up for over a decade. People have always brought this up to me. Uh, a chance to reach kids through after school tutoring. If we did want to go this route, I want to talk to Community Action Agency next door who already does stuff like this. See if there's a way we can partner with what they're doing and, and maybe blend with them like we like to do here at 1208, finding other places. And the last one is homeless ministry, right? And dinner church could be an avenue for that, but we could also specifically like join ranks with the interface shelter, try to figure out how to help them and plug into that. So those are some of the things that we're looking at. Mark one through four, what you're interested in. Um, and then fill in the circle if you want to volunteer. Write your name down if you filled in a circle. And otherwise, you can fill it out anonymous, anonymously. When you're done with it, um, you can just drop it in the tithe box in the back corner there. And that brings us to the end of the service. So we're now into Kingdom Ministry Hour. You may take off if you want. In an hour, Viva is going to use this space. But in the meantime, if you need food or clothing, talk with us. We've got it for you. If you need prayer or deliverance or counseling, talk to us. We've got it for you. Children's ministry will happen in the back. And we've got, um, in about 15 minutes, there will be an adult Bible study that happens in this room if you want to join that. Okay, we love you. We'll see you next week, if not sooner. And uh, thank you very much for joining us once again.